0: I was at a university bar and I decided to ask this girl out that I'd had my eyes on and you know, she was quite attractive and so forth. Nervously walk over and then just find up the courage to sort of mutter, would you like to go out for, for, for lunch sometime? And she sort of just looked at me. The room's gone dead silent and she's gone, I would never date a fat, useless shit like you. Oh my God. My heart felt like it was ripped out of my chest, and she stomped on it. And on that walk home, I past a news agency. In that news agency, I see a men's health cover, and I see this ripped guy, big smile on his fucking face, looks fit, happy, and healthy. I was like, I bet you that guy would never have that happen to him. Bang! I was in the gym the next day. That's Ben Abstacker, and this, and this
1: is The Proof Podcast. Today's
2: guest on the Plant Proof Podcast is a buddy of mine from Bondi, Mr. Ben Hansaker, otherwise known as Abstacker. Ben Abstacker is an Australian champion fitness model, cover model, international motivational speaker, and top performing coach. He is hands down the most motivational, inspiring guy I have met. You only have to be in his presence for a very short period of time to pick up on his positive vibes and it really does make your day. At the 2014 Muscle Mania Australian Championship, Ben won first place in the men's physique and first place overall. This guy has an incredible physique. As a result, he was awarded the first ever prestigious Australian men's physique model pro card. He has since landed four covers in large global fitness magazines and has appeared in 50 fitness magazines around the world. Despite all of this success in the fitness industry, Ben's journey has not been without insecurity, failure, and adversity. Ben was once an overweight party boy who had little regard for his health and wellness. He found himself in a corporate job he didn't love. And in a twist of fate, Ben was able to turn his life around thanks to a certain girl who inspired him through humiliation to take more pride in his physical condition. Ben has a very special way of maintaining a positive mindset and waking up every single day with a winning mentality. Sit back and relax as Ben and I cover his journey to date and some very practical take-home messages for anyone wanting to improve their mindset, become a more positive and composed person, and get more results in the gym.
1: in line with the nutrition recommendations globally. To get your Essential 8 and Optimal Omega Plus, head to theproof.com forward slash friends and follow the link, which will get you an extra 10% off your first order. That's theproof.com forward slash friends.
0: Mr. Abstacker himself, welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me, Simon, and a big happy Sunday to you. We've, um my shoulders are absolutely cooked. We've, uh, just to paint the
2: picture of what we've been doing for the last hour and a half or so, we, Benny took me through a big, big shoulder session and um, some exercises that I haven't done. So I'm going to be definitely pulling up pretty sore tomorrow. Oh, you crushed it today. Shoulders are boulders. And then afterwards, we uh, just polished off a nice little tofu scramble. So we're nourished and we're, we're ready to get stuck into this. Yeah, fired up and ready to go. Now, Matt, you you are genuinely probably, you know, one of the most positive and, and motivational people I've come across. And, and that is the, the very reason that I've got you on the show today. I'd love to 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 wind back the clock and and really get to know you as, as a person and what shaped you over the years. You live in you live in Bondi now and, and I met you down
0: at the local gym. Yep. But where did you grow up and where did it, did it all start for you? So originally a country boy from country New South Wales. From those that don't know, it's a town called Narramine, which is probably six hours west outside of Sydney. Only got a population of 3,500. So I grew up on a little property there. Yeah, out in the bush and you know, I had a shit ton of fun out there. Catching snakes, lizards, riding dirt bikes, chasing pigs. All that good stuff—fishing, shooting. So you were you were doing primary education out
2: there as a, as a student going through primary school. How would you how would you describe yourself? Were you an astute learner, or someone that paid a lot of attention in class?
0: Yep, I was very blessed to have my mother always push me both in academics and sports. So I was fortunate enough to be a school captain when I was in Year Six, and then Mum had me enrolled in you know the after-school swimming, after-school running. And always made sure that I had done my homework before I could go motorbike riding. So I was very fortunate in that sense. And, and you had siblings? Yeah, had a uh, younger sister. She's uh, mad as a cut snake, as they say, <laughs> full of energy and goes at 100 miles per hour. But she was also you know, a big influence in pushing me because she was at the top of her game sports and stuff. So we're always trying to do each other. Is, is she older or younger? Or? Younger sister. Younger sister. So it's just the two of you
2: yes. growing up? Okay. You grew up in this country town as a, as a young boy. And then I believe you, you moved to Sydney to, to go to high school?
0: Yeah. So the, uh, I was very fortunate again for my parents to uh, pony up a lot of money and cash for me to go to uh, a, a private school in Sydney at uh, the age of 16. So I went to St. Joseph's College, Hunters Hill. Wasn't this necessarily the smartest guy, but once I found that bill of how much money my parents were paying, I made sure I was the, the fucking hardest worker in the room, studied my ass off to get good grades and do them proud and also do it for myself. Okay. So you moved from, from the country yeah. to... Relatively
2: close to the city. What yes. was that like as as a boy who had spent most of his time, you know, out doing those activities in the bush? What was that like?
0: That was really tough, right? So I went to being the the big fish in a small pond at home to being a very, very small fish in a runt in a in a big, tough private or rugby school. One of the smallest guys in the year, so it was an easy target for the bullies. But also I felt uh, a little harmstrung like I couldn't go out, ride my motorbike or chase pigs or do any of the Country Boys stuff, I was sort of locked in this, uh, I would say, what, urban jungle
2: um, and, in Sydney. And so that was
0: quite challenging.
2: And did you, you, you miss home? Was there ever, ever the point where you're like, I need to go back to the country? Um, I don't fit in here?
0: Yeah, that, 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 that always crossed my mind. But I thought, look, if I was to, to push, say, five years ahead in a future state and sort of realize, okay, short-term sacrifice, long-term gain, and I don't want to die with regret and I'll regret going home because I'd seen guys that had gone home to the country and not followed through in private school. And they were just doing the same stuff, getting themselves into trouble out in home. Okay. So you sort of wanted to get out of that small town mentality, yep. see what the world had to offer
2: on a greater scale. Yes. You, you mentioned that you, you experienced bullying. Yes. In, in high school. Can you yes. shed some light on, on that? Was, it, was that like a one-off or a couple-time occurrence? Or was this something that you going through high school were dealing with on a daily, weekly basis?
0: Yeah, I think because I was a, a smaller guy, smaller stature, I was an easy target for the bigger guys, the big rugby guys, but also had a pretty smart mouth on me. So being a cheeky country boy and also one that would always stand my ground, so I'd always stand up to bullies and never back down, which was probably my demise, in that setting but eventually you know the bullies get sick and tired of when you keep fighting back it's quite funny though when i've seen these guys say five years later at the school reunion um and i put on a bit of size the The tables had turned <laughs> i had a couple of guys actually come to apologize to me face to face which was always good yeah i guess uh, that little bit of
2: maturity's come through and yes so you you wound up at this, you know, just to paint the picture for the overseas listeners and anyone interstate, St. St. Joey's is one of the best schools in Australia. You've ended up going here, you're boarding. So you've moved away from home. You've seen how much it's costing your parents. And you said, you know, potentially weren't the most naturally gifted student, but you grinded it out. And And what what did you make of it from a result point of view? What What did you make of your high school?
0: Definitely wasn't the smartest, but Say, for example, at Joey's, you're only allowed out on a Sunday. So it was very uh, regimental, just like the army, eat at a certain time, have to be in bed at a certain time. you got your dictated study, dictated training and so forth. But what I did was every Sunday, rather than going out, I would study uh, and I'd studied hard. And then I was fortunate enough in year 12 to, to get a 97.25 out of 100, which I was pretty stoked with and so were the parents. And then that got me into Sydney University. Yeah, wow. So again, just for people listening that
2: aren't familiar with that sort of scoring system, that's the top two and a little bit percent across Australia in terms of year 12 or the final year of education. So it's a really remarkable score. And that would have set you up to pretty much do whatever you wanted at university. Mm-hmm. What What did you go on to do?
0: End up uh, doing a commerce degree. Um, so following in the, I thought, okay, the parents said, Study hard, get good grades, go to university, get a good job, follow the corporate dream. So I thought, look, accountancy or finance looks interesting. So I started a major in that. Quickly finding out that you know I wasn't cut out for to being an accountant or a financial advisor. So I went down the human resources route. Okay, so you said you know you you sort of just found
2: yourself, I guess, at university, going and doing this degree. Did you did you stop? And and sort of think within yourself. Back then, is this what I want to do? Is this the topic career? Is this what where my passion is, or was it more just that was the path and you just went down it?
0: That was the path, and that was like the society conditioning me to think that's that's what the that's the road I've got to take. And also with the parents being a big influence on that, you know, this is a path that I'll take. Was I necessarily like using my talent or following my passion? No, I was just doing what I thought was right which meant, you know, also working hard at university, but I was also in a, a college, which is Wesley College. So we paint the picture again. It's like American frat house for three years. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm picturing it and imagining you, you had your fair share of fun yes. out, outside of classes. Yes.
2: Okay, so that, would you look back on that period of your life as a, a parting sort of period where you were, you know, drinking and doing yep. all those
0: things associated with being a university student? 100%. That, that was the emergence of not the ab stacker. Uh, another guy we call the sack dog. <laughs> um, so my the sack other, dog. <laughs> that's my other alter ego. <laughs> now, the, the sack dog, just to paint the picture, was uh, always the loosest guy at the party. We'd drink the most. would be the loudest. would be the funniest. We'd be doing all the crazy stuff. Build up a reputation for that pretty quickly of the, of the sack dog. So during these, these sack dog
2: days, yeah. Did, did nutrition and fitness and stuff, did it, had that even come into the
0: picture? No way. I was not like standard diet for me would be, you know, have the, the 10 schooners or 10 beers at night. I like that you said that first. Yeah. <laughs> and then probably find my way to, you know, the late night lamb sandwich or a kebab for those uh, listeners. And then wake up, say so 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, eat whatever's in the cafeteria. So, yeah, nutrition, I had no idea. And was that typical of the, you, your, your friends as well? Every, yeah. Everyone was
2: on that sort of same trajectory. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And at what, I mean, what physically your condition whilst, yes. whilst you were at uni and you were eating this sort of stuff,
0: what was your physical condition like? Oh, uh, uh, The old sack dog, he ran 28% body fat when, we, when I got measured. So that he was uh, chubby to say the least, a little overweight. And a barrel full of laughs. <laughs> so he was, he was that guy. He was, yeah. he was creating the, the vibe in the party. Correct.
2: And I mean, 28%, you, you probably now would be sitting, what, 8%, 10% all year. Yeah.
0: So I've sat at 8% since I was 25. So that for uh, eight years straight, since the turning point of the sack dog into the oh, ad wow. stacker. Which I, I want to definitely, we'll, we'll get into that and, and what sparked that
2: transition but let's first dive back into you were finishing your commerce degree, mm. you you're parting um, from a career point of view when you did finish university. What, what did you go and set your mind to? What did you go and do next?
0: Well, I didn't really have um, any idea what I wanted to do. And then I seen a, a job ad as a recruitment consultant. And what attracted me to that is the guy that I interviewed with, he said, look, work as hard as you want, uncapped commission. Go as hard as you want. You're not limited by anything here. So it suited me well. So just as paint the picture there with the interview, I rock up. There's a guy dressed in an immaculate suit, beautiful facial hair. He's an English guy. Looks like something out of James Bond. He says, Look, don't worry about the interview. We'll uh, let's go for a drink. And I was like, Oof, it's one o'clock. It's a bit early, but uh, go downstairs to the garage. <coughs> He's got the Porsche. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm 20. Four years old at this stage going, wow, this guy's got it all. He's 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was selling you on a lifestyle. Sold me like Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And then boom, I started Monday with him and worked 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for four years straight. And what was, what was the daily agenda or task like for you then? What were you doing? Just calling down. So like I would make uh, 30 to 40 calls a day, call connects. So probably smiling and dialing, now 100 calls a day. I've been trying to submit, say, 25 candidates a week. You're working on commission, I assume. Yeah, on commission only. But then again, I, I quickly cemented myself as the hardest worker in the room, always first in, last out. Um, and that, that's, that's the road to success for me is always through hard work. So, despite these, the parting mentality
2: that you, you had, you, you set your mind in high school, you got a really good result, you set yourself your mind in university, and now you're doing it again in your first job. Yes.
0: And were you, were you happy in that job? No. If, if I look back, I, I was happy temporarily. Like I'd be happy with the, the commission check, but was it doing well I love? Probably not. It was just a means to an end. And I always was, you know, looking at fitness stuff, fitness shows, training, writing other people's programs. So I could see that, that that fitness passion was creeping in. That was when you were 24. Right? Yeah. So when, when had you first walked into a gym?
2: 23 years old. Okay. So only the year before. Only the year before. Okay. So as you were finishing university. Yeah. Right at the end of it. Okay. So you're you're in this job. It's, I'm assuming, fairly mundane in terms of you just calling, repeat, rinse, repeat. Mm. Every time I see you now you it's happy monday it's 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 happy tuesday it's getting around everyone in the gym or just in in terms of our local community everyone would see you as a super positive person and someone who makes people's days literally through a few words what were you like then as a person were you a were you genuinely happy yourself even outside of your job and b were you that person that was able to motivate other people
0: Look, I, I'd say I, w- I probably wasn't in the early stages of my career. I think I was pretty all consumed by that, that rat race of like getting up, putting on a suit, going to a job I necessarily didn't love, catching a bus, you know, being in a, in a bus full, like feeling like sardines, shoulder to shoulder, and then doing a, you know, a series of tasks that I didn't really want to be doing. So I w- probably wasn't at the top of my game for the positivity stuff. Or well, nowhere near where I am now. And, and
2: having, you know, not being truly positive yourself, was that limiting your ability to make other people happy?
0: Yeah, 100%. Them? It wasn't until like a, a, a couple of turning points um, in my life where I realized, particularly when suffering like bouts of depression and stuff, that I realized, hang on a minute, I've got a choice here. I can be a victim or a volunteer, I can be either be positive or negative. I'm going to choose positive every time because I know the outcome. And the happy Monday, happy Tuesday, happy Wednesday thing, that stemmed from me realizing, look, if I can change someone's energy day or even put a smile on their face just by saying happy Monday, look, then my job's done. Like How easy I, is that? It, 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 it's so easy. And wherever I've been, wherever I've lived, wherever I've worked, I'll have every single barista, every single person or everyone that knows me or at least say happy Monday, and they know me but through that. And I hear that them saying that to other people. And yeah, then wow, it just, flow is, on. yeah, it's just contagious.
2: Okay. So you, you were dipping your toes, you know, whilst, whilst working this first job, you started to dip your toes in the fitness industry. Yes. Before we jump into what you actually were doing and what you've gone on and the great success that you've gone on and had, and it really is amazing success when we reel it off. I think people will be really surprised what you've done in a short amount of time. But what, what sparked your interest in the first place from this guy that was drinking and mm. um, 28% body fat, what was it that, you, that made you go, I, I want to focus on nutrition I don't and, and, and working out and I don't necessarily just want to do it for myself,
0: mm. but I want to help others? Well, every good story starts with a girl, so, <laughs> so does mine. <laughs> so to paint the picture, I was at a, a university bar the old, well, Sackdog was at the university bar, just to reframe that. And Sackdog had had his eyes on uh, uh, this lovely girl. I thought she might have liked me from personality, but I was uh, <laughs> pretty wrong. And Sorry, where were you? Were you in Sydney? At yeah, time? I was in Sydney at one of the college bars. And I decided to ask this girl out that I'd had my eyes on and, you know, she was quite attractive and so forth. So after a few drinks, w- work up the courage I would say like not stumble over, but nervously walk over and then just find up the courage to sort of mutter, would you like to go out for lunch sometime? And she sort of just looked at me. The room's gone dead silent and everyone's staring at me and she's gone, I would never date a fat, useless shit like you oh my God, my heart felt like it was ripped out of my chest and she stomped on it. Yeah, I've never been probably humiliated like that ever, put on shine in front of everyone. So I sort of shook my head in disbelief, walked outside the bar, walked back to the college uh, where I was um, living at. And on that walk home, walked past a news agency And in that news agency, I see a men's health cover and I see this ripped guy, big smile on his fucking face, looks fit, happy, happy, and healthy. I was like, I bet you that guy would never have that happen to him. Yeah, wow. Bang, this, I don't know what it was. This flick went in the switch in the brain wide. I was in the gym the next day. um, I'm Training. So it started from a, a
2: moment of humiliation. Correct. Which you then turned into determination. Correct. To, you know, transition who you were. Yes. And yeah, it all started out with the girls. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. But I, I think, uh, you know, like you said, all good stories start with the girl. I think there'll be a number of guys who can relate to that and probably entered the gym for similar reasons. In yeah. terms of, you know, being popular or fitting in and perhaps being a little bit insecure about their body image. Yeah,
0: even girls too. Like um, guys say some pretty nasty stuff to girls. So I could also like have empathy for people out there who've gone through a similar experience. Yeah, sure. Um, it certainly does suck, but you can turn that adversity into a massive positive and let that be fuel for your fire. Don't let it eat you up in the wrong way. Let it just be this wood or coal that gets thrown onto this furnace that's just going to build this unstoppable freight train that's going to get its goal.
1: After the challenge, you'll retest your 10 biomarkers and see the proof of how powerful these science-backed habits really are. Head over to theproof.com forward slash living proof to download your zero cost copy of the Living Proof Longevity Challenge today. That's theproof.com forward slash living proof. Look forward to joining you on this journey.
2: So you, you went in the next day, to work out, and you were in your mind you're like this is now the start of ab stacker. Yes, and you said goodbye to the drinking days. Yes, or, or at, you know, as a regular. Yes, what what stage did you start to think? You know, I I want to I can actually end up on these magazines, and I will end up on these magazines. And when did you start setting such high goals like that?
0: Well, I sort of went into the gym as sack dog as a guy that were clueless like I couldn't even bench press the bar and I was struggling like it 20, was, 20 kilo bar yeah it was it was a clown show it was a bloody <laughs> circus when I was in there no idea didn't know what I was doing but I just showed up every single day and uh, did you have a, a friend or a buddy you know taking the sack dog through this or was the sack
2: dog just YouTubing and winging it I was just
0: li- I'd listen learn watch and then just educate myself so every day I was like Trying to read something new off a off a website, or looking at a fitness magazine, or I get buddies that are in shape and say, "Hey, can I tag along for a gym session?" Like, I'll even, I'll even unpack your weights for you. Presumably, around that twenty eight
2: percent body fat going into this, were you noticing, you know, pretty pretty quick changes
0: after six months? I was like, okay, wow, start to see a bit of shape here. The driving bottle shop's starting to take shape like a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> we're turning that mini keg into a little bit of shape there. I would say, look, it took at least uh, 12 months for me to notice substantial changes. And was that when,
2: you know, your alter ego, you, 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 you transitioned, so to speak,
0: from sack dog to ab stacker? No, it, that, that, that journey probably even took a little longer. So that was more like three years down the track from there. So I remember when I first got abs, it was in two thousand and nine. I remember looking in the mirror and go, wow, I've actually got a six back here. Still remember it clear as day. And I was like, holy shit, uh, what a journey. We've sort of made it to, to where I need to be. So that was an accomplishment. Yeah. 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 It was, it was a big day for me. Although that sounds like pretty like vain to see that. But the character, the person that was built from that three-year journey to get abs was you know, something else like the intestinal fortitude so, the courage to persevere, the self education. So, like, really reading everything about nutrition, educating myself, educating others. I think um, if you know something, that's all well and good. But if you teach others, then you, you know it's so much better. And, and what sort of sacrifices were you making in those three years to, to make those improvements to your health and wellness? Look, it started off very simple. The first thing was like, okay, I'm just going to cut out soft drinks. I may sound like pretty, Schoolboy stuff, but I started off with these small baby steps. Like, I know that if I was to try and change it all at once, it would be, I'd get overwhelmed. So, just made small changes like only eat macas once a week, don't have soft drink, and I cut back on the beers, and don't eat kebabs when I'm out, you know, drinking. Rather than that, hard and fast, no, it was less of. Yes, correct. And more
2: of. Yes, correct. You, you know, you've gone on now. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've been in fifty global, like international health and wellness magazines. You've been on the cover of four. How old are you now? Thirty three. Thirty three. So you've done that in a really short period of time. Um, at what At what period did you did you sort of start to move away from the corporate, the sales force, you know, calling people wearing a suit to actually going into the nutrition,
0: uh, health and wellness sort of industry mm. on a full-time basis? So it all started with uh, my first fitness modeling show in 2011. Look, I've never been coached. I, I coached myself. So I was doing a bit of like um, sort of modeling stuff on the side. For us. I, mean, I was saying, look, you're a bit too muscular for what we're looking for. Why don't you try like fitness modeling? I was like, what's fitness modeling? So I just Googled fitness modeling. And up popped this poster, first ever fitness model show in Australia on the Gold Coast. So I thought I had 10 weeks to prepare myself, no bloody clue or any idea how to do it, just Google research. I made every mistake you could possibly make in this show. So classic examples, in the swimwear round, I wore shorts um, and I walked out with um, (laughs) sunglasses on and tipped water on myself like Peter Andre. (laughs) It's a mysterious girl. The judges laughed. I thought it was quite funny. Also stupidly got a solarium the night before. So my face was a bit red. Oh, wow. So you, you had an unorthodox approach. Yeah, unorthodox. But somehow I managed to finish fourth in Asia Pacific. Yeah, wow. Out of uh, 65 guys. So I was like, hang on a minute. There's, there's something here. Called up the judges uh, the following week and I said, look, just go to town on me. criticising me for everything. And they wrote out a long list of things that I can improve upon. So, I spent a whole year working on that. Was the Solarium in yeah. that list out? Yeah. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Get rid of the glasses. Get rid of uh, the Peter Andre look and <laughs> <laughs> change it up a bit. Come back again the next year. Way more shredded, way more prepared. End up coming third. I was at a 10 week pre- um, prep or you prepped for longer? I prepped a lot longer this time. And what sort of physical condition, just so we can picture it, what yeah. sort of body fat were you running? Yeah. So, go down for that show it was about five percent. So, super shredded, super conditioned. Crazy lean. Yeah,
2: and that would have been the first time that you would have been that low, right? Yeah, correct. And what were that? Can you can you remember or go back to 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 that time and remember what that felt like yeah, to 100. be taking yourself that low, which is yeah. pretty extreme. Like, I've never been that low, and I've been you know a little bit higher. And I know
0: that mentally, it, there's a, it takes a big toll. Like, what did that feel like? Oh yeah, so. You, you're really gaunt in the face. You're constantly having dreams about food <laughs> during the the dehydration period where you cut down your water. You know, I'd have to, I'd have, you know, dreams of drinking water. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, find myself at the, the the tap trying to get water, and the girlfriend like shoo me away. Also, the late night cravings, like I'd crave peanut butter, so I had to freeze the peanut butter. Oh I Put wow. it in the freezer so I couldn't get the the spoon in there. But yeah, to, to be that lean is, you know, it's, it's very taxing on the body and it takes a lot, a lot of mental capacity and, and strength to, to really stay there and have fun with it too. Because the worst thing you do is you see all these guys that are super lean, but they look like they're having a shit time. And it's not about that. Fitness is about having a good time and celebrating your hard work. And as soon as I wrapped my head around that fitness modeling, fi- fitness competitions, aren't necessarily competition against others. It's for you to celebrate your own hard work and your journey. From there, that's when I started winning shows because I'd go on stage and I'd just be lit up, smiling, smiling at the judges, wishing others luck, helping people backstage. I wasn't competing against anyone. It was just Ben versus Ben or Abstacker versus Abstacker.
2: And that must be hard because, I mean, particularly in that industry, but even not in the fitness you know, physique competition type industry, Everyone is just inadvertently, or so subconsciously comparing themselves to others these days. And, you know, I've, I've read parts of your, your book, which we can delve into in a minute, but there was that one quote in there. I can't remember who said it, but it was based around we need to stop comparing our self, every, our everyday self, to other people's highlight reel. Correct. 100%. And, and that's what happens on social media because we see the best of other people, but we're comparing that to what, you know, ourselves on an everyday basis. How did you uh, stop yourself and, and stay mentally strong from looking at other people that perhaps you were competing against and, you know, exactly to your point, what you're saying, just stay truly focused on you and bettering yourself, competing against yourself?
0: Yeah. So what I did was um, purposely, I wouldn't look at any of my competitors. So I'd let them run their own race. I'd be the equivalent of a racehorse where you've got the blinkers on or a flurry bread, it just blocks out everything or all its competition around it and just goes straight for the finish line. And that's what I did. Just put the blinkers on, I'd go straight for my finish line. Look, at times you, you, you could be tempted to have a look, oh, how's he looking or what's he looking like? But at the end of the day, all that matters is what you look like on the day. So I couldn't really give a shit what my competitor's posting a selfie in front of a mirror you know, a week out because you know, he's under a downlight. He's got a couple of good filters. Doesn't really interest me. I care about the person that shows up on that day. That's when the bullshit stops. And so that's what I always focus about, just, just on that day.
2: And is that, have, you, have you always sort of had that mentality or is that something that you learned from
0: these competitions? I learned from these competitions. I, I just learned, look, it's me versus me. And don't run your mouth. Is is another thing I I learned too is the guys that always talk about winning shows and winning their pro cards on social media. I think you'll never see them. Most of the time, that they they won't get the job done. It's a lot of pressure for no reason. Yeah, exactly. And you don't need the the pressure. You like you got you're putting enough pressure on yourself and just have like I think the other people lose touches. Have fun with it. You know, smile on stage. Be grateful for that you're up there. Be grateful that you can get in good enough condition to be there. Because it takes like a special kind of person to go through that journey, yeah.
2: And I mean, you see a lot of people go into this and compete, and after one or two years, they're just over it, And probably because they've been taking it too seriously and they hate it. Yeah. But you know, I asked you today while we were training, I said, "You see yourself in more, more magazines and covers and whatnot." You you really sound like you you know you thrive and you love it.
0: Yeah, I absolutely. I I, I love it. I love the whole thrill, particularly on the world stage. I think that's that's where I like like being where I've got, you know, all different guys from all around the world, the cream of the crop, you're against everyone from Mexico to Brazil to Argentina to Spain to you guys from Europe and, you know, you're representing Australia and you're giving it a red hot go. That's that's That, that really turns me on in, in like a positive way. Just heading back to competition, what, what do you think
2: of, you know, healthy competition and is there any form of competition that you do use to fuel yourself?
0: Yeah. Well, it's back to the whole point of it's me versus me. Like, in my, in my saying is strive to be better than you were yesterday. So I'm not trying to beat anyone else. I'm trying to beat Ben Abstacker on Saturday because today's Sunday. And then on Monday, I'm going to be trying to beat Ben Abstacker that was on Sunday. Every day, I'm just trying to beat myself. It's me versus me. That's all it is. Yeah.
2: So 2011, you, you backed up. It was 2011 was the second um, competition. Our first competition, first, yeah. First, and then you backed it up the year later. Yeah, on, third. On the Gold Coast, yeah. came third.
0: What, what's transpired since then? Well, then I was fortunate enough to then hustle another year. Like, uh, Go get on the, the, the judges' criticism like, oh, your cars are too small, your shoulders don't pop, your biceps aren't big enough, you could have done this better, you didn't wear that suit correctly. Took all the feedback again, did another whole 12-month prep, and was fortunate enough to come back and clean up the show and come first and won the overalls, then did another show, won the overalls in the model and the physique, and then the year after did the same thing in the physique category, so stepped up again. These are, these are all Australian-based competitions yeah. at this stage? Now, I was fortunate enough to represent Australia overseas in Vegas twice, so finished uh, sixth in the fitness model and then the year after seventh in the physique pro category. Oh, wow. So what, what year was that, the last one? Uh, two thousand and fourteen. So it's been
2: a while between shows. And you do you think you'll jump back in? I know you want to do the magazines and, and more covers and whatnot. Do you think yes. you'd jump back on the competition side of things? Yeah, I
0: think um we're looking at shows at the end of the year. Okay, exciting. Yeah, pretty pumped for it. Because I took a, a break off in 2015 just to coach a team of athletes. Because I, I, I take so much gratitude and, and so much out of helping others to get state like to get on stage and do their best and look their best. It's even more powerful for me to help others win shows or, or place. That even trumps all my victories is when people that I've coached have come from nothing and just built. And this phenomenal person, both mentally and physically, is just, yeah, that, that's where it's at. And, and just adding on to that in terms of coaching others, you know, down at, down at
2: the gym here in Bondi, but, you know, from the outside you appear to be the busiest, if not one of the busiest yes. trainers down there. What's, what's your secret to that? Like, what,
0: what, why have you got so many clients and yep. what sort of results are you seeing? Phenomenal results. Like, I've, I've had a, yeah, I'm pretty much booked out with uh, sessions. So for me, it all, all begins in the mind. So we sit down, we have a coffee, catch up, really get to know the person, um, their background, their history, what they want to achieve, you know. Do they have family history? What are their goals? Were there intrinsic motivators? Just to really get a deep understanding of that person and make sure that I'm actually the right coach. Then from there, what I want to happen is when people walk into the gym, they're going to leave feeling better both mentally and physically after spending an hour with me. If they don't do that, then I haven't fucking done my job. And that's, that's only my goal. It's just to make them look, feel, and do amazing things in life. And look, I'm not just a trainer, I, I help people from their corporate work, their sales stuff, their business, their relationships. So I try to like step in as, as a mentor or coach wherever I can in the mindset. And in terms of the clients, most of your
2: clients, are they, are they people coming to you that want to aspire to achieve your physique? Is it, man- is it mainly males that are wanting to put on size? Is it mainly males wanting to
0: lose weight or females wanting to build muscle or females wanting to lose weight? What are you seeing? I've got like a, a beautiful spread of clients. So we've got everyone that's got a wedding coming up. So you've got the wedding shredding uh, happening. So they, they want to get like as lean as possible and feel great and look great for their wedding day. Then I've got people that, you know, have got a big holiday coming up. Others are wanting to do shows themselves, so they're always uh, interesting. And then you got you just you your average punter that just wants to learn how to eat, train, and do life correctly. And then that's where I come in and potentially move away from their version of the sack, sack dog. dog. Yeah, so I'm helping <laughs> helping my fellow sack dogs out there. <laughs> so let's uh, you know, weight loss
2: is is a very popular topic. If you know, for the, for the listeners out there, and maybe they are preparing for a wedding at a high level, Mm. what are some of the most effective strategies you've seen from a, you know, fitness or even outside of the gym point of view that people can
0: implement and and see some real results with? So the, the first thing is if you want to lose weight is, you know, be calorie deficit. So more calories in your output. So that's just from an energy point of view. And a, a second point that's quite very simple and people don't get their head around it, is just use smaller plates. And you may be like, well, what do you mean by that? It's like, well, there's this study showing that people who use, when we use bigger plates, who fill up the whole plate with portion sizes. So use smaller plates, smaller portions, then you've tricked your brain, you feel full. Other things too, do exercise that makes you happy. So whether it's walking the dog, doing something with your partner, don't do shit that you don't like. Don't eat food that you don't like. Eat healthy food that you actually enjoy and, and utilize resources like Simon, you've got an amazing page, jump on Plant Proof, take some recipe ideas. He's done it for you. And beautiful thing about social media, it's all been done for you. Yeah. So what you need to do is just download. Very it. accessible these days. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I liked
2: in your, in your book is you mentioned, are you really hungry? Are yeah. you bored? Are you yeah. thirsty? You know,
0: so a lot of emotional eating out there, you know, you're feeling stressed or you're actually just procrastinating. With the procrastinating at work from making that phone call. procrastinating from doing that essay. University, we, we tend to just get up and graze and snack and just eat mindfully, but without thinking about it. Instead of doing that, just reach through a glass of water and think about, am I actually hungry? Yeah. And I mean, the first thing that you said there was you need to be in a calorie deficit,
2: right? So if you're going to lose weight, that means you need to be burning more calories than you're putting in your mouth. Correct. Right. You know, f- so, so obviously that's the most important thing, yes. but in terms of in the gym and, and your clients that do want a weight loss goal, mm-hmm. is there from your, from your end, is there any preference towards cardio or weights training or what should someone look at from a physical point of view, or does it really not matter too much as long as they're in a calorie deficit?
0: I believe you need a hybrid version. So you need a, a spread between cardio and weights. And just think like of training, like you're investing in money. You want to get the biggest return on investment or bang for your buck. So this goes with food and training. Just think like you're investing money, ROI, return on investment. So if you've only got 45 minutes coming to the gym, turn off the phone, act like a stick of dynamite, just light it up. So you might start with five minutes of cardio just to warm up. Use the cross trainer, ski, salt bike, rower, get the heart rate jacked, and then work through you know, the leg press, squat, bed lift, compounds, all these compound be, movements, yeah. and then f- finish with your accessory work. So in your machines, your flies, um, your lunges. So that's, that's typically what I get clients to do that has the most effective results. If someone has plateaued and they're yes. finding it really hard to shift weight, yeah. is, there, is
2: there any other suggestions that you'd have for them?
0: Really good question. So shifts can come through. I'll, smashing plateaus firstly is just flip your program on your head. You should be changing a program every four to six weeks. So for example, if you're really struggling, I'd recommend from a food point of view, trying fasting a week, so 24-hour window, and that's what I do. Typically, I fast one day a week for 24 hours. So I have my first meal before a fast is just all plants. So just a, a shitload of greens, broccoli, asparagus, green beans, hemp seed oil, flax seed oil. Eat that, two shots of apple cider vinegar. Then I just drink six waters for a 24-hour period, six liters of water, and then the meal after is exactly the same. Big plate full of greens, hemp seed oils. And you feel that that sort of helps reset, reset the body's being plateaued? Yeah, and just it smashes through that plateau. And then to break through plateaus with training is, okay, do I need to get a training partner? Do I need to get a trainer? Or if I've just been doing all cardio, look, it's time to mix it up a bit, you know, jump in the weights room, really shock the body. Because your body's very smart. It's a adaptive creature and it adapts really quickly. You've got to give your muscles, you've got to give your body a reason to grow and adapt and change. Because if you're just going through the motions, like day in, day out, you're just pissing in the wind. It's definition of insanity. You're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, expecting different results, but guess what? You're back to where you started, hence why most people quit. So flip it on its head, just hit it full tilt and get the body moving. And what about for those that are mindful that, you know, they've worked hard to put some muscle on.
2: Yes. But they do, they want to shred you know, yes. coming into summer or they going to that wedding. How can they get into a calorie deficit? Get, hit, get into the gym and be losing some weight to shred, but you know, hopefully not burn too much
0: muscle and so that they still keep that size that they've worked so hard to get? Yeah, good question. So typically what I would do is I would just adapt three high-intensive interval training sessions on a on a fasted, so in the morning, fasted. So I'd either do like 200 calories on a stepper or do the sled for 15 minutes, now up and back, up and back, or just implement that. So that extra burning calories, just three times a week, it'll just have you slowly getting leaner and leaner, but it sustains and, and holds muscle for you so it doesn't ruin any of your hard work. So about 200 calories per session. Yeah. Okay.
2: Now, you know, your name now is, is Ab Stacker. Yes. And you're known for tremendous abs and, and no doubt why you've been on the front of, you know, several covers. What what are your tricks for for developing rock hard abs that you can see, you can fry an egg on those things.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, let us, let us know the secret, mate, because I'm just as,
0: just as interested in, in this answer as everyone else, I'm sure. Well, you can attest to this. i will put you through one of my ab workouts and uh, you, you can sort of see what, what it's all about. Abs, hit them with lots of variety. So a lot of different variations in exercises. Give them little rest. So just 30-second rest periods and hit them with a higher rep range. So 15 to 20 reps. If you're just starting out, just do floor, floor stuff. So for example, you'd do um, leg lifts, toe touches, and say mountain climbers. 15 reps of each, three surf, three rounds nonstop. And if someone's unfamiliar with those, they can probably just Google those names. Yeah. Or you can just jump on my Instagram page. I've got some ab exercises up there, whatever. Just what, at AbStacker. And, yeah. and I'll put the link to that below the yeah. podcast. Yeah. And then if you want to progress from there, we start looking at hanging leg raises, knee tucks, weighted sit-ups with having the plate directly behind your head. So your, your abs are on the whole time. And the number one thing for abs is mind to muscle. So focus on the abs when you're working them. Don't be fucking thinking about what you're having for dinner. Think about your abs. Think about what you're working. Be present and breathe. So blow out when you're contracting the abs, like really get that mind to muscle happening. I think that's where most people fail. They can't actually get the burn in the abs. It's so true because you can go through the motion and you're not really feeling it there uh, or you're using your hip flexes.
2: Correct. You know, breaking that down further, what sort of rep range number mm-hmm. of sets are you, are you sort of talking about here?
0: So look, I like to, to, to stay within that four to five set range and do the, the higher rep range, so 20 to 25. Or just go to I feel the burn. So I'll so do four or five sets, 20 to 25 reps, yeah. till you're fatigued. So, till you're fatigued. Or you could even, if you want to like step it up a level, and when I want to step it up a level, I won't start counting until it starts burning. So, like, I'll, I'll keep doing an exercise and then it starts burning and hurting. Everything in my body is saying, stop, you crazy animal. Then I'll start counting the reps. Okay. And, and how many times a week? I would say three times a week is, you know, a reasonable number. Prioritize your abs too. Like people say, oh, I'll just do them after the workout. Get to the end of the workout, they're gassed or tired, they don't end up doing them. Look, if that's you, do them at the start of the workout or actually just have a workout where you do cardio and abs. How important do you think, I guess from on stage point of view for
2: you, the abs are compared to the rest of the, the muscle groups around it?
0: It's up there, right? So uh, I think for fitness competitors and, and for what I look at, it goes smile, abs legs and that's, that's sort of where it goes. So you smile, you smile with your eyes and your teeth and that's the energy you bring. And then the abs is conditioning, so how lean is he? And then the, does he have a well-balanced physique with the legs? Okay. And heading, in, heading into a competition, so yes.
2: now speaking personally for you, You're you're doing abs three days a week. Yeah, that'd be be what you did, and and how much cardio would you introduce personally in terms of you know just shredding down a bit?
0: So I would probably introduce three sessions a week to begin with, just to see how I'm responding, and I would make them like heavy and hard sessions of just fifteen minutes of cardio. So whether it's farmers walks, so holding dumbbells each side, doing you know. Twenty to thirty meters at a time, doing ten sets. See so sustaining muscle growth. Yeah, jumping on the ski, going full tilt, two hundred percent for thirty seconds, resting thirty seconds. You know, rinsing and repeating ten times. If you feel like you're gonna have a heart attack, Or they're jumping on the uh, devil's tricycle, or the assault bike. For those out there who've uh, been blessed enough to get on it, and i will do that, say twenty cows, faster can rest thirty seconds, go again. Okay, so I think you've definitely painted the picture there. So there's a lot for people to go away. And I expect
2: some of the listeners to be absolutely shredded through the core. And uh, will in the coming six months. And we want to see some <laughs> photos. So pl- yeah. please send them through once you start getting your results. Now let's, let's move back to mindset. I'd love to, yeah. love to hear some real practical tips, key learnings for people yes. who perhaps would aspire to be as positive as you in their yes. life. You know, all of us have negative thoughts. All of us compare ourselves to others. These are, these are normal, but how do you deal with them and how do you to deal deal with stress and, and stop these things from becoming a burden mm. and, I guess, ruling you? What
0: are your main tips for doing that on a day-to-day basis and just staying so positive? Okay, so it all, it all starts um, from when you get up. So from the moment you close your eyes, is whether you're going to fucking win the day or not. And you think, first of all, what does everyone do? You know, the alarm goes off, snooze, snooze, snooze. Don't do that. Please don't fucking do that. If you hit that snooze button, you're stacking a domino effect of lose, 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 lose the whole day. So it all starts from that moment that alarm goes off. Put the alarm, put the phone in a different room. So you have to get it out of your warm bed, turn the fucking thing off then go have a glass of water, have a coffee if you need one, and then think about how blessed you are to be alive. Because if you start thinking about gratitude and set your intention in the morning, so have a routine every morning. It never changes. It's the same routine that, that I know how to kick ass with. Wake up at 4.30, alarm goes off, drink 500 meals of water, shot of apple cider vinegar, coffee. I then jump up and down in front of the mirror, smiling at myself listening to my favorite track, whatever that may you be. You do that every day? Every single day. As weird as it sounds, the lymphatic, the central nervous system wakes up. When you're smiling at yourself in the mirror, you look at yourself, fuck, I look stupid, but your smile back sets off this positive chain of reactions. From there, I'll do some Wim Hof breathing. If you don't know Wim Hof, check that guy out. So I'll do four rounds of that, get the oxygen flowing into the brain, Whilst I'm doing the Wim Half, I'm thinking about what am I grateful for? Could be the simplest things, you know, living in Bondi, sun shining, doing what I love for a living, you know, waking up to my little dog next to me, waking up to a beautiful kiss from my girlfriend. Oh, and that's the other thing too. When I wake up every morning, I always kiss my partner or girlfriend on the cheek and say, you're amazing and I love you. So if you don't do that, guys, get onto that right, right now and you'll, you'll reap rewards. <laughs> And then from there, after the Wim Hof, I jump in, I have a three-minute cold shower. Right now, that, that sucks at the moment. I'm not going to lie. But doing something that sucks early in the morning gives me the power to go, hang on a minute. I just spent three minutes in a cold fucking shower. Anything that comes at me today is going to be like nothing. Like It doesn't really phase me. And then I set the intention from there. So you're conquering things from, yeah. from the get-go. From Your the get-go. Positive mindset. Yep. It's I can conquer things. Yep. And you overcome that shower. And then yep. what do you move on to? Five-minute journal. So five-minute journal. I've got a journal I could probably pull it out now. I could flip back three years ago. I do it every single day. Write down what am I grateful for, whether it's three things, five things, eight things. And then next question is what would make today great? So what's the intention? So, what do I need to get done for me to have a happy or a successful day? It's so easy when you think about it, it is, isn't so it? It's so fucking simple, but no one does it. And it's these simple things that build into these big things. If you don't ask yourself, what,
2: what will make me happy today? Yeah. Then, you know, you're kind of winging it. You are. You are 100%. <laughs> your, your, your happiness yeah. is unknown. You know, yeah. you might be happy at the end of the day,
0: you might be sad, but you've got nothing to measure it against because you didn't set it. You didn't set the intention. And then we set that and then the next bit's the affirmation. So, you know, like I'm a total badass. I'm going to leave people in a better state than when I met them, when they first met me, or I'm going to make a positive impact today. So I just have these positive affirmations of what I want to do and achieve. And I go out and typically do some exercise, get the body moving for 15 to 30 minutes, and then I'll start my coaching. Okay. And so you, you, how many years have you been doing all that for? Uh, I'll be coming on, I want to say five years. Okay. So that's AbStackers Morning Rituals.
2: I'm going to get a copy of that and that's, yeah. that's hundred percent going to be posted below this podcast for anyone to review. Yeah. Again, if you, if you are implementing it or want further information, you can reach out to Ben on social media and, yeah. and, and ask him some questions there. You you set these intentions, this positivity you're conquering from the morning, mm. but you know, you're human like the rest yeah. of us. No doubt there are days where things don't go your way. Yes. Right? That's the way the universe works. How do you combat those when, when something happens, which, you know, potentially you hadn't planned for? Yes. And it, and it may
0: be seen as a negative thing. What do you do to overcome that and deal with it? Okay. So I adopt a thing called a monk mentality. So, a monk mentality is no positive or negative situation is going to impact me. So if something negative happens to me, I'm not going to change my emotional state. I'll say, okay, this happened. What can I learn from it? And I move on. I don't dwell. I don't keep bickering about it. And if I have a negative thought coming to mind, I crush it straight away. I just get that positive self-talk going like, hey, I'm a badass or I did this or I won yesterday so I can win today. Or this is just a moment that will pass. Just grab the fingers. Just breathe in, breathe, and then just let it go and I move on. And, you know, you don't strike me as someone that would really ever come across
2: much sort of confrontational type situations, but if you were, and I think I find it really hard for you to actually find yourself in that sort of situation because you're so positive around everyone. Mm. But if you were, are there any times that you can remember where you have had to face confrontation with someone else and, and how do you deal with that?
0: The way I do that is uh, with a calming energy. So someone's coming at me with uh, negativity, wants to gossip. I, I don't like gossiping. I don't get into that, politics, whatever it is. Well, they just want to be aggressive because they didn't like I uh, rubbed them up the wrong way. I will just say, look, I understand you feel that way. What I'm going to do is I'm not going to react. So don't take this to offense. But let's talk this out. So I never raise the tone or raise the, the voice or d- never re- retaliate with anger. Because if you get angry, you lose. So, always just trying that monk mentality, staying calm under pressure. I think composure is the number one thing I look for in people as a leader. Yeah, which you, mate, you've certainly got a lot
2: of that because, you know, what you're talking about, there's just ability to have this winning mentality, to stay calm, to be conquering. It's, um, it's really amazing. So, I'm 100% going to post all of this. Now, where's who from here? what you, you've, you've jumped up on stage, you've competed, you've been on multiple covers, you've done so much. Mm-hmm. What are the competitions? What are your goals for okay. the next
0: five to 10 years? The big overarching or ranging goal would be to open my own uh, high-performance setup. So that'd be both mental and physical. So I want people to be mentally unstoppable and physically dominating. So when I have a facility where it's not just all about weights or training, There's that whole mindset and daily rituals thing that we spoke about to empower people to do that. But my goal is not to make millions of dollars, it's to make impact millions of people. And that's all I want to do. I just want to change the landscape of Australia. Got like a mental, I think, illness epidemic upon us with depression, anxiety, social media, high suicide rates. Look, if I can make a shift in that, well, that that's part of my purpose. And then also tackling the weight. Issue that we've got. Upon yeah, the us.
2: obesity. Yeah, obesity epidemic. Yeah, which is a, a huge, huge issue that we're facing. And and from a, a competitor point of view, yes. We'll, you know, you alluded to the fact that we will
0: see you back on stage again. Yes. What what are your goals in terms of being on stage, and what, what do you have your eyes set on? Uh, yeah, I've got the the one title that's eluded me, and I haven't been able to to bring home for Australia and uh, for, for now my own parents and family and myself. It's a world title. So it's a muscle mania world title that is on in Las Vegas in November. So I'll be quietly preparing for that. So head down, staying in my lane, putting the blinkers on and really going balls to the wall for that. And we're we're coming towards the the end of this podcast. Yes. So I've got a couple of
2: sort of finishing questions. If there are people out there who have just done their personal training course Mm. or are aspiring to become Personal trainer, and we did touch on it before. But what what are some of your top tips for them just to build up a successful client list, yeah. and to yeah, just to get people through the door and, and to become a popular trainer?
0: So first thing is, if you're if you want to be a trainer or in the nutritional coaching game, is spend one hour a day reading or researching that topic. So one hour a day reading or researching, either online or book. Um, I can recommend some reading lists, but. If you do that in 12 months, you'll know, you know, like 90% more than any of the other trainers out there. The second thing is just focus on becoming a better person. You know, be positive. People come to me because I've always interacted positively with them in the gym. It's by being a good person, helping people that I know that can't even like, they won't pay me back or they can't help me back, but I'm just doing it because I want to help someone generally. That's why you should be a trainer because you want to help people, not to make money. Change your question for how much money you can make to how many people you can help. And if you do that, you focus on delivering a good service uh, with integrity, with passion and with skill and drive, then you'll be unstoppable. Some, definitely some great tips there. Now, finally, I'm,
2: I'm interested about this girl, the girl that oh, yeah. <laughs> the girl at the bar. You know, you painted the picture, sack dog, sack, sack dog. dog, sack dog, built up the courage. I've, you know, I feel... A little sorry for Sack Dog during that part of the story. He, he built he built up the the courage and
0: you know, every dog has his
2: day. day. Yeah, every dog has his day. But you know he was he was shut down and um, you know humiliated so to so to speak in yeah. front in front of the boys and no one no one likes being put into that position. Uh, have you used that as fuel? Is it
0: something that you regularly think back to? And have you ever come back across <laughs> her? This is a beauty beautiful part of uh, every dog has its day and. The, the fairy tale of the ups and downs. So I was that future music festival. So that for those that don't know, it's an outdoor festival where they play dance music um, in Sydney, Australia. That's big acts there. That prodigy and dizzy rascal. Anyway, I had the shirt off and I was in shape. Then I had abs and I had these um, big crazy glasses on and walking through the crowd and this this girl grabs me. It's like, oh, you're hot. Can I get a photo with you and have a dance? And I was like, Oh, my God. <laughs> she didn't recognize me. I recognized her straight away. Pulled down the glasses and go, remember me? And it was like she'd fucking seen a ghost. She went pasty white. I then grabbed her, took the selfie with her, ching, and then gave her a hug and said, thanks for changing my life. Yeah, wow. And uh, the boys clapped her away, knowing who she was. Never to, see, <laughs> never to see her again, but forever grateful for that person. Yeah, I mean, that, what, a, what a way to turn A. Initially very
2: negative situation into something that sparked so much and has, you know, really changed your life and been that fuel that has propelled you through this amazing transition and now into this incredible trainer who just, you know, exudes positivity. I'm definitely really, really inspired by you. And I know that when I come into the gym, just by what you say to me you make my day better. And then that is, there is a direct flow on effect to my staff and whatnot. So I'd like to thank you very much for that. Ah, Thank you very much. I'm humbled. I'm sure there's many other people that would also um, feel the same way. So thank you very much for joining me today on the Plant
0: Proof podcast. And I'm sure in future you'll be back on because we could talk for hours. Well, thank you very much for having me, Simon. That was a phenomenal podcast. I just want to say I, I love your energy. I love what you've created with the Plant Proof stuff always refer all, all my clients to your page and the feedback has been phenomenal. Like you respond back to messages, you know, that they, they use it as a hub for for recipes, for mindset stuff, for nutrition, for everything. So I just want to say, you know, you're doing fucking amazing and thank you very much for that. Thanks, mate.
2: Now uh, I think it might be time for another meal shortly. I've got uh, to get some food in and uh, get these shoulders recovering.
0: Keep <laughs> dominating. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. And that's this week's
2: episode of the Plant Proof Podcast. Connect with myself and the Plant Proof community at plantproof.com and at plant underscore proof on Instagram. Don't forget to sign up to the newsletter to receive our free plant-based nutritional information, including recipes, important blogs, and much more direct to your inbox. Until next time, folks, I'm your host, Simon Hill. Keep your spacesuit plant-proof.